Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is episode 392. So we are really close to that 400th episode where we are going to do probably very little to nothing to celebrate. But it's still a nice milestone. Who knew these two idiots from Southeast Ohio would be able to cobble together for nearly 400 episodes on comics and comic speculation. So uh, it's kind of cool. Um, we're, we are, uh, well, I am here by myself. So guess where that me that means Kyle's on vacation. Um, I know this is a surprise cause he's so dedicated, but he, <laughs> he's taken yet another vacation and is in his out of town. So, uh, I'm going to trudge on. I, I can hear the sounds of podcasts all around the world turning off, uh, deleting, because there is no Kyle here. Um, but I will do my very best. And we get a, a question from time to time, very similar to this one, and I thought I would address it here on the pod, podcast. Um, this is from Aaron Churchill. He says, I have been looking into doing a podcast for some time. However, I've let my lack of know-how keep this from happening. I was wondering if you could share how you make, host, edit, and post your podcast. I'm asking if you are so kind for some details here. How do you record? Um, how do you get your from literally from point A to me downloading it and listening to it? I guess it's point B. Uh, I'm currently tooling around the internet trying to figure this out. Sincerely. Aaron Churchill, listener and appreciator of all you do. Well, Aaron, we we do get this question a, a few times a year. And I don't know if we've, I think we've addressed it before. I think we've had an episode before. Um, but instead of finding that and replaying it, I'll just, um, I'll start over. Uh, anybody can podcast. That's the good news. Bad news is anybody can podcast. Uh, there's, there's some dreck out there. Uh, but then there's some great, insightful, wonderful podcasts. Uh, like ourselves, uh, <laughs> uh, the what you, the bare minimums you need are a laptop and or or desktop uh, and a microphone. You can get away with uh, people do things on their phones. People do things with their dock mics. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it. It's it's pretty bad, and we've had some really poor results with xbox headsets and things like that and uh so i would suggest you buy yourself a mic you do not have to buy a blue mic which is what we use we use yetis uh which is uh blue mic.com um b-l-u-e-m-i-c.com um don't really endorse those but that's the ones we use we've had pretty good luck with them they've held up well and sound pretty good um, but you, know, you can get yourself just a, a quality USB mic, 50 bucks or so, uh, uh, probably as a minimum, uh, to be a decent mic that, uh, will pick you up. And then depending on how many hosts you have, you, you either need an, a really good mic that sits in the middle of the table that you all talk into, or you all need your own mics if you're in different places, uh, to record. Um, you then need to download... Audacity, a program at audacityteam.org that you can get for free. It's a recording software. Uh, you can buy uh, Adobe Audition if you'd like. 
that's affordable. And that's a, a little more robust program if you'd like to do that. Lots of folks use GarageBand. They're Mac people, but I'm a PC guy, so I do not use GarageBand, but uh, a lot of folks have. Uh, then, it, then you just record yourself, uh, especially if it's a solo podcast. Um, you just hit record, talk, and when you're done, you export in uh, mono. Uh, don't export in stereo. You're using bandwidth that you really don't need. And uh, mono's a smaller file, and uh, you'll see later that, that that's important. The smaller the file, the better. Um, and just make sure it's an MP3. If you do have a co-host, or two, or three, uh, they all need to kind of have the same setup and should be able to record their sides of the conversation. Just to make sure, uh, just make sure you have an audible cue at the beginning to line up your tracks, you know, so... Um, we do a three, two, one clap, which I occasionally leave in there accidentally. And, uh, listeners have been so kind to point that out that I am an idiot. And sometimes, but that's something that you just use to line up tracks and then you cut it off and, uh, edit it out. Um, uh, you should also get some redundant recording, uh, software, uh, you can use VoipCallRecording.com. Go to, go to V-O-I-P-C-A-L-L-R-E-C-O-R-D-I-N-G.com. VoipCallRecording.com. And that records everyone on the conver- on the Skype call. And it's not ideal. It's not as good as taking everyone's individual tracks and mixing them together. Um, but it's good for a backup. It's good when you are interviewing a creator or someone who doesn't have this set up. Um, but, and it's nice to have that redundant backup just in case somebody screws up on their end and doesn't export their piece, right. Or doesn't, uh, or it gets mangled or lost or deleted or whatever. Um, it's nice to have that. So I would suggest, um, that both you and your co-host back it up as a redundant source. And it can always be deleted, uh, once the, episode is complete i just um i I, it's once you've screwed up a a podcast and lost you know uh 45 minutes or an hour of conversation that you have to try to replicate again once you do that once you will understand the value of redundant backups it's 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 important and it it's annoying to have to go back and, and do it again Okay, so that's kind of the technical side of getting the audio together. Um, kind of in general, you you need a name, something kind of catchy, something kind of memorable, and one that hasn't already been claimed. Uh, you know, whether if it's a comics podcast, it doesn't you didn't say that it was, but if it's a comics podcast, the word comics is in a lot of stuff, but it's also that makes it easier to search for. So, um, best of luck trying to come up with something catchy and memorable in that space. Because a lot of things have been claimed, or have been claimed and abandoned by pod faders, who did three episodes and then never did another one, but they're still out there, so it's tough to use their things. Um, but hopefully, it's unique enough that you can create a Gmail account in that in your your name, um, uh, in a, a Facebook account, a Twitter account, Instagram account, etc. In that same name, so that it's all one cohesive brand. Um, use that Gmail account that you've set up. I guess it doesn't have to be Gmail, but whatever. 
any email account. Um, and then you'll go to um, a service called, I use Podomatic, P-O-D-O-M-A-T-I-C.com. Uh, there are Podbeans and Lisbons and tons of other ones. Um, but I'm use, I use Podomatic. And then you sign up there, and it's kind of a step-by-step on how to create your podcast from that MP3 that you've already created. Um, you can then use that to publish your very first podcast and then submit your RSS feed from of that podcast to iTunes. Um, there's plenty of help files out there on how to do so. Um, SoundCloud.com uh, has a ton of articles on how to link uh, RSS feeds to iTunes. You could start there. Um, and, but you got to give it a day or two because there's a lag. Um, Apple's in no hurry to to get that out there for you, especially when you're setting up for the first time. So give it a day or two, wait, see if it shows up on iTunes. If it does not, then resubmit it. Um, and then and then hopefully it works by then. Um, and then check all the articles that you've used to make sure you've done it correctly. Um, that is kind of a, it used to be a complex initial task. Uh, maybe it's easier now. Um, this is kind of, uh, you probably need a logo in there too. So create something, um, in the proper specs for Podomatic and iTunes that can be visibly shown, um, as your podcast and podcast episodes. You don't want, uh, some generic placeholder that, that they generate or God forbid nothing to show up. And just a question mark or whatever the default uh, initial image is. So you want something on there or no one's even going to bother to listen to you. So you have to have some kind of imagery on there to represent you or your or your um, podcast. Um, once all that's done, you, and you, you kind of populate it on iTunes. You can do the same thing over at Stitcher and other podcast distribution um, aggregate services. Um, you can find those. Just Google and find them and figure out how to, to submit to all those. Uh, you can convert that podcast uh, to YouTube uh, audio video. Whether you're using video or not, you can do that and use that as an online archive if you'd like. We started to do that, and... Um, it's kind of time consuming, so I haven't done all of our episodes yet, but eventually I'd like to get them all up there. Even though our stuff gets dated pretty quickly, it's, um, it's, it would be nice to have a record of every single podcast we've ever done. And uh, with a free service like Podomatic, well, it's initially free anyway. Um, I pay for it now, but it was initially free for a small amount of bandwidth and space. Uh, so you lose, uh, over time, you lose those old podcasts and have to go back and uh, either uh, archive them some other way. Um, well, So once that's all populated and you've got, got it on all your services that you want, uh, at that point, you can promote them on your various social media that you've also set up already. So, you know, share links to those those episodes on the various distribution platforms and um, 
hopefully your friends and family will share those or you can prom you can pay to promote those via um, various pay sites to promote your via Facebook or whatever um, now this is probably that's the probably, probably the most affordable way to podcast that is kind of the cheapest way and you can you know besides the cost of a mic if you already have a laptop or um, computer you really don't have anything else invested um, I still think the mic's worth worth the investment um, but you you really have no costs at this point now once your bandwidth exceeds a certain amount or your uh, your episodes fill up the allotted storage that you were given in Potomatic or whatever you choose uh, then you're going to have to pay a little bit to get expanded bandwidth, expanded storage. Um, you can bypass all this and build yourself a website, a uh, WordPress website, with the PowerPress, PowerPress plugin. Um, and then you won't need Podomatic or Podbean or any of those. Um, WordPress.com can walk you through how to do all that. But then you need server space and server costs. But... All, in the long run, that's probably a more affordable way to do it than the way I'm doing it. But I started this way, and I don't want to sw swap everything over. Because um, I just don't have that time to deal with that crap right now. But ideally, I w if I had it to do over again, I would have built the website uh, with WordPress and PowerPress. And, you know, use bought store server space somewhere and just housed my own media because we're we don't have the the number of downloads at the same time to you know that really slows it down too much some sometimes we do um but our bandwidth isn't so so heavy that um we need to pay for this automatic service uh to be a media streaming service I think we could have gotten away with with um, a regular website server, and uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. So there, you, for for what you, for the, what it's worth, there you go. Um, it's 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 really easy once you get it all set up. And um, if you have any more questions or anybody else is intrigued by this and wants a little more information about any of the things that I kind of ran through really quickly. I'd be glad to send you this kind of step-by-step -step in an email. So reach out to me at comicsforfunandprofit at gmail.com. Uh, that, that catchy name that I came up with, really long. <laughs> really long. Uh, it's too long for Twitter. It's too long. Uh, it, it's really clunky. It, it's a really long email. So think that through as well. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. Uh, and also, when you're choosing co-hosts, you know, maybe maybe choose one that doesn't have a lot of vacation time. That would be my my suggestion to you. Um, and one that is up uh, about the same time you are, has the same work schedule, and you guys, your, your time off and, and free time kind of sinks. So that way one person isn't always outside of uh, their comfort zone as far as being awake. That's a challenge as well. Um, so it, it is. It's easy. It's fun. Um, you get to 
chit chat with lots of great listeners like yourself and um uh, as you'll see coming up later in this episode uh sometimes those listeners go out and create content for you because they love comics too and want to share that with you so we've got uh, an interview with an online retailer coming up soon, supplied to us by our friend Jason in Hawaii. So um, look forward to that. But again, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or our email. Um, or you can find all the links to how to get a hold of us easily at our website, comicsfunprofit.com. And uh, that would help uh, connect with us with any more questions about this topic of of starting your own podcast, or comics-related questions and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, now, before uh, we get to Jason's great interview, we should probably do a, and by we, I mean me, um, a sneak peek at next week, because we have comics coming out on August 16th, and they'll be in your stores shortly. So, first and foremost, we're always going to start in Dark Horse, and uh, I have nothing uh, spec-worthy there. There is a Briggsland Lone Wolves, number three, which is the second volume of, of Brian Wood's Briggsland series. That's a really good read. Um, I think it's already optioned, but I don't know if there's any value in, in this at all. Uh, as far as DC, we've got the great cover A's and cover B's that continue beautiful stuff take a look at uh aquaman batman um green arrow green lanterns got a couple of justice leagues a couple night wings super sons superman and wonder woman's uh cover a's and cover b's and of course the wonder woman is the great jenny frizen b cover which is beautiful um First and foremost, the big 800-pound gorilla, elephant in the room, whatever that, that saying is, is Dark Knight's Metal number 1 from DC. Written by Scott Snyder with art by Danny Mickey and Greg Capullo. Uh, Dark Days of the Forge and the casting is hinted at dark corners of reality that has never been seen till now. Now as Dark Knight's Metal begins, the dark multiverse is revealed in all all its devastating danger and the threats it contains are coming for the DC universe. Dark Knight's Metal is a DC event unlike any other one that will push Batman, Superman, and heroes of the Justice League beyond their limits to take on threats unlike any our world has ever seen. It will take the combined might of the world's greatest heroes, as you've never seen them before, to face what's coming. It's a four ninety nine book, uh, and it's kind of make or break for me because I've had mixed feelings on both uh, casting, the casting and the forge. Uh, some interesting things in there, some nice fan service, also some crap I could not care less about um, that just they got lost in the weeds, I thought, with some of this uh, metal stuff. So, number one is here. If you haven't been hit, living under a rock, you know it's coming. You're either A, excited, or B, not excited about it. Uh, I am probably not excited. Uh, I'm hopeful that it's better than what I've read so far, and I'm going to give it just the one. And then I might not even finish it if it's 
as long in the tooth as it has been. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe tired of Scott Snyder's expansive writing, uh, you know, just kind of writing and writing and writing, overwriting, in my opinion, of things that uh, can be said a little more cleanly and a little more enjoyably. But I am going to give it a shot, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's that those two prequels were just um, a, a little hit and miss. There was some good stuff in both of them. I will give you that. Um, so keep your eye out for that. It is $5, but um, I'm sure it's oversized. We have Future Quest Presents, number one, written by Jeff Parker, art and a cover by Ariel Olivetti. Um, if you've been reading Future Quest, you knew this was coming. Um, but this is a continuation of this with Space Ghost and his young wards, Jan and Jace, teaming up with the Herculoids to rebuild the mighty Space Force. Will they rise again to become defenders of the galaxy? Or is there something lurking in the shadows ready to stop them for good? I jumped off of Future Quest. I might sample this to see if it's a little more um, well-defined than the previous one was. Uh, at least the ones, the issues I read. So uh, I'll probably check this out just to see. I am still reading Apocalypse, Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. But uh, I think everything else is gone. I don't think there's anything else left from that initial launch. So um, I, I, I think this will be something to sample. Might be worthwhile. We have a Sandman special, number one. Written by Dan Jurgens and Steve Orlando. With art by John Bog. Danave and Rick Leonardi with a cover by Paul Pope, which is always nice. And this is the continuing Jack Kirby tributes that are going on. And this is um, regarding the 70s Sandman as Brute and Glob battle an onslaught of dreams so powerful they are invading the dreams of other people. Then a grown-up Jed Walker returns to his childhood home only to find himself haunted by Dreams from the Past. This issue also includes Strange Tales from the DNA Project from Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, 142 through 144, 146, and 148. Written and penciled by Jack Kirby and Turn on the Heat, starring the Newsboy Legion from Star Spangled Comics number 27. Written and illustrated by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Um, so this is a $5 book. I don't know enough about The Sandman, this original... Sandman to know anything about it and so I'm thinking about checking this out but it's tough for me to suggest you drop you plop five bucks down for it so if that sounded interesting please do but I don't want to um force you uh let's see as we I think that's about it that really stands out to me in DC if Kyle was here he'd mention Nightwing I will not well I do late I already did uh, the, the only thing in IDW that kind of sticks out to me is, of course, Time and Vine, number two. Uh, hopefully you've read Time and Vine, number one. It was a great issue. It's a four ninety nine book, but it's oversized and beautiful. So it's definitely worth it. Tom Zoller does both the writing and the art. And in this issue, Jack starts teaching Megan the rules of time travel, while Darren teaches her all about the winery and Megan, Megan takes her first solo trip back in time to the 80s, where she discovers a startling family secret, which we kind of hinted at, at uh, in issue one. And, of course, nothing else um, stands out in IDW. Uh, we have 
an image. We have the Bitch Planet triple feature, the third issue. I love this. These first two issues have been great. Three separate stories set in the Bitch Planet universe by three very different, distinct creators with their take on some little aspect or new character or something um, subversive that's happening in that world. It, it's really cool. Uh, I've liked I've liked all of them. And they've all been interesting in their own way. Some are a little stronger than others. Some of the story writing is a little stor- stronger than others, but they're all worth the time. It's a three ninety nine book, and I actually prefer this now to the the the, the, the end, the last arc of Bitch Planet. It's, it's definitely better than that, and good stuff. Uh, well worth checking out. Uh, we have Genius Cartel number one of five, written by Mark Bernardin. And Adam Freeman with art by Rosie Kempy, Campy. And if you've read if you read the first Genius, it came out a few years ago. Was released weekly in one month, so all four issues were released in one month. And it was based on part of Image's pilot season, where they were releasing a bunch of things and pitching them as new ongoings. And it was one that kind of must have stood out to somebody and was greenlit. It was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm looking forward to uh, this this next volume. Uh, it's a great character. 17-year-old Destiny Ajay took on the LD, LAPD in her South Central Siege and paid for it, not with her life, but with her freedom. Now Destiny is sequestered in the Mandrasa Institute, a government school for prodigies. But will she use her gifts to wage war at the military's behest, or is she already planning another revolution? So it's very similar to Think Tank and um, Samaritan slash The Tithe uh, that Matt Hawkins did. So it's got that same kind of feel. This person's smarter than everybody else, but but he's partnering with the government to do something. So... It's got not a real original plot going on there, but it it the first volume was good, so I'm hoping the second volume is also good. We have Mage Hero Denied, number one, written by Matt Wagner, with um, art and cover by Matt Wagner. Um, and this is the first full-size issue, which begins ten years after the climax of The Hero Defined, which I did not read. Um, so... If you read the mage, the hero defined, this is the hero denied. So you can check that out. Uh, Spy Seal number one is written by Rich Tommaso with art and cover by Rich Tommaso. Uh, turning into the thrilling world of international espionage as one of Britain's most covert MI6 divisions, The Nest, recruits a brand new secret agent to their teams. Spy Seal. An exciting new comic series reminiscent of the adventures of Tintin and Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, so, and this is the same guy who did She-Wolf, which was kind of a train wreck. So that's not the best analogy. Unless you were a, a lover of She-Wolf, you will love this for sure. Um, but it's got that an- anthropomorphic animal deal. Uh, if you're into that, that's cool. 
Art looks pretty good from just the cover that I'm looking at. And uh, hope, hopefully it's it's uh, a good story. I'm going to sample this. I'm not all in on it. I'm just going to sample this first issue. Uh, as I look down through the rest of image, uh, we've got the uh, Invincible. We're getting close to the end there. Part 7 of The End of All Things. We've got the fifth issue of Rat Queens, which I've jumped off of. We've got... Uh, regression, which I've dropped. Rock stars number six, which I've dropped. Uh, Southern bastards, which I will never drop. Uh, it is fantastic and is back. Thank goodness. And uh, we have Winnebago graveyard dropped off that. Not reading that one. Kill the Minotaur. Not reading that. I hate fairly and no longer read that. That is the conclusion of a story arc, though. So the next issue will be something to jump onto. Curse Words number seven is coming out. Not reading that. <laughs> so I've dropped a lot of books in Image for some reason. Uh, at least it sounds like you know, I'll read them off the list this week. It's pretty bad. As we move down to Marvel, we have Generations Wolverine and All New Wolverine number one. Written by Tom Taylor with art by Ramon Rosanas and with a cover by Jorge Molina. Uh, the Death of Wolverine shook the Marvel Universe, and the ascension of the all-new Wolverine reimagined what a healing factor and some adamantium claws can do. But the amazing combination of Logan and Laura is the duo you've been waiting for. Um, I don't know if that's true, but it's a $5 book. It's Generations number 1 Wolverine and all-new Wolverine. Uh, I don't know is this, what this means. Uh, is this just? Uh, I'm guessing this is just setting up for bringing Wolverine back, or just reminiscing of uh, an adventure, a lost adventure between them. I have no idea. Any, I don't understand what Generations is really, except it's a opportunity to lead into Legacy and renumber some books. That's really all I know. Speaking of which, Ultimates number two, no, Ultimates two, number one hundred. Uh, which is a double-sized issue celebrating the 100th issue of The Ultimates. Which, okay. And it's written by Al Ewing and art by Travel Foreman. Eternity is free, but can even he stand against the might of the first firmament? Or does the embodiment of anything need help from the outside? Featuring the, featuring the Ultimates and The Ultimates? This is a $5 book. Surprise. I sense a theme here. And um, if any of that solicit made sense to you, you're probably already a reader of The Ultimates. and Or The Ultimates 2, I'm sorry. And so you will be all enjoying this. Uh, I, like, I like round numbers, so I wanted to see, check out what, what 100 was all about. And uh, I no longer care. I'm looking down the rest of Marvel, we've got uh, the 10th issue of Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. We have uh, Luke Cage, number 4. Ventress, Mighty Thor, number 22. Um, still embroiled in that big war with the new Thor. Looks like. We've got 13th issue of Silver Surfer, which, of course, delayed. 
And I, I think it was canceled and resolicited or something because it was supposed to come out weeks and weeks ago. Um, we've got the second issue of Spider-Man 2 plus a second printing of the first issue, so it was well-received. We have Star Wars 34. Excited about that. A couple of true believers. The 100th Captain America number one. Celebrating the, the 100th birthday of Kirby with Captain America number one. And Eternals number one. Both of which sound kind of fun um, for a buck. Might check that out. Because it's reprinting Captain America number one. And uh, some stories from Tales of Suspense. And... Uh, the the Eternals is reprinting Eternals number one, so that's kind of cool. Uh, that's kind of it in Marvel. As we slide down to uh, the back half, we have Divinity Zero. Uh, this is a valiant book written by Matt Kent, with art by Renato Guedes, and cover by Juan Jose Rip. An epic. Jumping on point, leading divinity through the wor- the whole of the Valiant universe. Okay, introduction to the largest independent superhero universe in comics, as told through the eyes of Valiant's most powerful cosmic force, Divinity, a lost Russian cosmonaut newly returned to Earth with godlike powers. So, um, yet another jumping on point for Valiant and. Uh, an on-ramp to their universe. Uh, I feel like I've done that. I've given them plenty of opportunities to hook me and it. And all their stuff is okay. I don't have any problem with any of it. It's just not enough to make me want to be all in. And I don't know if I can really enjoy this stuff unless you are all in. And so I'm going to give zero a shot. Um, uh, Divinity zero. It, I'll take it for its, its pitch as a, an, an epic jumping on point and give it a try and see if it's just like something I can't live without reading. So I hope so. It'll be fun. Oh, we have the fifth issue of God Shaper number five from Boom Studios. This is um, written by Simon Spurrier with art by Jonas Goonface. Can't be how you pronounce his name, but um, one of our listeners, Derek, I uh, was intrigued by our first, when we when we talked about the first issue enough to go out and pick it up and is really enjoying this and was letting us know how much he likes God Shaper. So wanted to give it a quick shout out and check out God Shaper from Boom Studios. Um, there should be a trade right around the corner as well, um, but it has been, it has been well received. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, um, but I think I'll wait for the trade on that. We have Normandy Gold, number three, written by Allison Galen and Megan Abbott, with art by Steve Scott, and a cover by Claudia Ianellicello. This is, of course, Titan Comics, and part of that hard case crime imprint that I love so much, and it follows Normandy Gold, who finds out that her sister was murdered, and goes undercover as a prostitute to find the killer and it's really really good we have the wicked righteous from alterna comics written by terry mayo with art by lucas romero and chris hall 
In a post-apocalyptic San Diego, four teenage brothers rescue a young girl from a brutal gang of psychopaths. Spark a chain of events that attracts an onslaught of unspeakable evil. This is the world of the wicked and the righteous, and the children will lead them all. Printed on newsprint. So therefore, it's a buck fifty. Uh, so uh, the cheapest comic uh, being printed in the back half, I think. And go Alterna. They're not tearing up the sales charts, but hopefully they're making enough money to keep doing this. Uh, this is yet another one that I'm 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 all in. I'm buying everything Alterna's putting out, so uh, I'll be checking this one out as well. Um, some some books have been better than others, but I, I appreciate the the effort from Alterna to try to uh, provide on ramps for folks to sample new comics that aren't big too. So good for them. As we look down the rest of the back half list, we have Amara. Karate number five. I'm a couple issues behind, but I still I've, I've read two or three of these and I've enjoyed them. Um, let's see, the second printing of Cal Exit number one, which was a great first issue. If you didn't get a chance to read it, um, for those of you from the right side of the aisle, not gonna like it. I'll tell you that right now. So stay away. I enjoyed it very much. Um, Divinica number two which I don't remember that first one. Um, so I think I must have passed on it. it. It's got Native American characters. This is delayed since, since April. It's supposed to come out a while ago. Um, the Native American... Nokomis, the Native American Earth Goddess. Um, Divinica is a tragic story following the life and death of her daughter. Uh, we've got plenty of Doctor Who if you're into that. We've got um, a lot of Looker's Ember, number one. So uh, there's lots of six and eight and nine and ten dollar variants of Look Looker's Looker, Looker's Ember number one, which could be, um, I'm guessing Boundless, right? It's got to be Boundless, yeah. Um, so lots of lots of nudes, nude covers, and nude wraps if that's your thing. Uh, as I glance down here, uh, we got the chair, second issue of the chair, also from Alterna. That's only a dollar, even less than the dollar fifty from the other. We've got the second issue of War of the Planet of the Apes, which I thought was okay that first issue, so I might I might read this. I'm not a hundred percent on it. And that's kind of it that stands out from this week of comics, and. I'll tell you, this was a bit of a challenge to find anything that was the thing, you know, that ha that I had to have. So I'm going to have to go with Metal. I'm going to have to go with Dark Knight's Metal, although I gave it a lukewarm review. Um, there's enough variants here. We've got a Kubert variant. We've got a, a Jim Lee variant. And we've got a Romito, a Romita Jr. variant. So, um, probably the Jim Lee variant's the way to go. Um, but of course, Kyle's rule is cover A, cover A, cover A. So you're going to have to double dip for 10 bucks and get a cover A and then either, uh, any, any of the variants that you like, but I would lean towards the Jim Lee variant, um, for a long-term flippability. Um, so there you have it. Thanks for listening to the sneak peek. 
Um, and stay tuned for an exciting interview with Jim Melendez, uh, an online retailer in Hawaii. I think his name's Jim. Rick Melendez? Rick Melendez? Man, I hope it's not one of those Melendez brothers that killed their family. That would be really bad optics for us as a brand. Um, Comics for Fun and Profit does not endorse the wholesale killing of one's family. Thank you. All right, we got that out of the way. So whoever this might be, uh, I think it's it's Rick, Rick Melendez, uh, is an online retailer in Hawaii, and he sits down with Jason um, and talks to him a little bit more about that business and how he does what he does. So um, I'm excited about this, so please stay tuned. And thank you for listening to the sneak peek, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. with uh, hopefully Kyle back. So, talk to you later. Aloha. This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of Comics for Fun and Profit. In this episode, I interviewed Rich Melendez of Space Monkey Comics. Space Monkey Comics started selling comics at local conventions and expos here in Hawaii and will be expanding into the eBay market in a few weeks. Here's my interview with Rich Melendez of Space Monkey Comics. I'm here with Richard Mel- Melendez. Correct. Okay, of Space Monkey Comics. So I, you know, we're here. We're going to talk about you know how he's going to promote Space Monkey Comics and you know the plans for Space Monkeys Comics. So I'm also going to apologize to the listeners and also to Drew and John. You know, sorry. I thought when I spoke when I met Richard back at the Toy Expo a couple months ago. You know, I thought you know Rich was already you know um, selling um, comics on Facebook. But actually, what it is, he does a pop-up model at first where he just, you know, comes to conventions or expos and, you know, sells his comics over there. But he's also looking to uh, expand in the next few weeks to do, um, to go sell his comics on eBay. So, without further ado, I'm ready. Um, here's Rich Melendez of Space Monkey Comics. Hi, Jason. Thanks for your time and thanks for the opportunity to talk about Space Monkey today. Oh, thanks, Rich. So, Rich, I'm just going to start off, you know, you know, some questions, background questions. So, you know, what was your first Gateway comic? Um, oh, gosh. I, I don't know if there was just one comic, but I remember my sister reading me Hulk 104, which was the Hulk and the Rhino, possibly one of their first um, fights. And it must have been a reprint issue, just thinking about my age at the time. Uh-huh. But I remember her reading me that, like a bedtime story. Um, I also remember... I was really big into Power Records, which were comic books with a 45-speed vinyl record that came inserted that was narrating the actual comic, telling you when to turn the page, provided sound effects and the dialogue. And I had, I don't know, about a half dozen of those at least. And that was a big part of my childhood. It's a real thing I got to charge out of. And I would listen to those, play them, and replay them and, until the records couldn't play anymore. And I would just read the comics and just enjoy the heck out of them. Ah, it's pretty good. And, you know, so how long have you been collecting comics? I mean, I've been into comics since, you know, childhood, like I was saying. My mom, you know, my sister reading me comics from when I was little. As far as me actively going out and saving my allowance and buying them, I mean, I'd say probably as of about eight years. I mean, eight years old, mm-hmm. maybe, give or take a year. But, mm-hmm. you know, really, yeah, pretty much all my life, mm-hmm. quite literally all my mm-hmm. life. And then um, I'm just going to ask, so when did you, like, seriously start collecting comics, like, bagging them and boarding them? I mean, that would probably have to be mid-teens. Um, 
and it, it was so it was yeah mid teens to late teens, um, which yeah, corresponded like the mid eighties to late eighties, and it was particularly on the the X Men run, Chris Claremont, late John Romita era or John Romita Jr. era. And as he was getting to some of the other artists, like um, particularly Silvestri, mm-hmm. yes, Silvestri, yeah. and that run, the, was it the Outback era? Yes, uh, yeah. But even before then, like uh, the fall of the mutants, the mutant massacre, that's, it was right around that period when I I was hooked, you know, like, I mean, full on, and I could afford to maintain mm-hmm. a habit and do that regularly on my own and you know, keep them, so, yeah, <laughs> long time. <laughs> About, you know, how large is your collection right now? Like, just give me an estimate. I would say between 40 to 50 boxes. So, like, about how much in long boxes, right? Yeah. About how much in a long box? Uh, I'm sorry, short boxes. Short oh, short boxes. boxes. Okay. Um, and depending if they're not boarded, I mean, I think it's about 200 per box. Um, if they're boarded, you know, about 100 to 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good collection. Now, out of your personal collection, you know, um, what is the one issue or run that you treasure the most? I, you know, when I first got this question and I was kind of <laughs> game planning for it, I, I really didn't think it was an answer. But I, I, I want to say it's the. Um, it was a crossover of Marvel and DC. It was the um, Uncanny X Men and the New Teen Titans. And that is, I remember getting that issue right off the stands, and it just floored me. I mean, just the Chris Claremont story, the Simonson art, you know, Mm -hmm. Darkseid, and Mm -hmm. Dark Phoenix, and it was just an incredible, the scope, the epic, you know, Mm -hmm. and and because it is a Marvel DC crossover, you know, it's not going to be reprinted often Mm -hmm. at all, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I haven't seen it too many times out Mm -hmm. of the wild, so... That one I kind of cherish, and that one I hold on to a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to go a little bit off track here, but we know Chris Claremont's coming down to Amazing. Are you going to get him to autograph that? <laughs> that's a good point. I'm not sure if I can find it. Oh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, that, that's quite possible, yeah. Okay, all right, okay. Now, um, before we continue, you know, guys, you know, um, we're here at the Alamoana Hotel. We're at the Starbucks, um, so, you know, we're doing the interview here. Um, so if you hear a lot of background noises, like the blender in the background, that's that's what that's where we are. We're at the um, Starbucks in the Alamoana Hotel. So um, I'm going to continue with my questions. You know, what is the one comic you know that you always wanted for your personal collection, but you know never got it? Or it's kind of like your white whale. What's your white whale for your own personal collection? And I'll be honest, I don't know if I ever had a white whale mm-hmm. or. Because I, I, I might be an oddball collector in the sense, but I don't covet the actual issues. Like I, I want the story. Uh-huh. So I mean, I'll throw out an example, like the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh-huh. For years, I wanted to read the Dark Phoenix saga, uh-huh. and then I caught it in a reprint. Uh-huh. You know, I caught a collected volume of that, and I was totally happy with that. So I didn't need to dig up the archives uh-huh. and save up hundreds of dollars to find you know the issue where Jean Grey becomes Phoenix uh-huh. or where Phoenix kills herself. You know. Yeah. I, I was happy with just having a collected reprint. So I I think at this age, too, where in this era where you can get digital comics, yeah, reprints yeah. galore, and I know, I, everything is available all the time. So I, I don't know if I have that white whale mm-hmm. issue anymore. No, no, yeah. Yeah, so. But yeah, no, yeah, you've got a very good point because right now everything is pretty much available on digital. Yeah, 
that. Right. So yeah, okay. Um, what are the, some of the current titles are you reading today? I am always been a big Marvel guy, and I continue to be a big Marvel guy. I know a lot of I know Marvel's been getting a lot of flack lately. Yes. Um, if you read the, the comics press, you know everybody says Marvel's in decline and mm-hmm. the characters, and I think they're doing some great things. I mean, I I'm really getting a kick out of Secret Empire. You know that event. It's such to me, it's such a well done story. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Panther by Tanisha Coates. Yes. It's amazing, amazing stuff he's doing there. And I'm really bummed that the spin-off series got cancelled, you know, the crew and yeah. <laughs> the role of Wakanda. Um, I'm also big on America by um, uh, yes. featuring America Chavez. Yeah, you know, yeah. To me, that's a fun comic. Okay. Not like anything else that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of Marvel, I've been enjoying Tom King's run on Batman. Oh, okay. That's yeah. been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying the Young Animals imprint at DC's yes, with yeah. Patrol, yes. Shade the Changing Girl. Mm-hmm. Those are all fun. Um, Kate Carson. Yes. Kate Carson as a cybernetic guy. Yeah. Okay. So that's a lot of fun stuff. And it reminds me of when I was the first week of Vertigo, uh-huh. pre Vertigo, you know, the early 90s, late yeah. 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got some of that energy. So I've been really digging that. Um, and there's a new imprint or a new publisher out now called Lion's Forge. Yes, um, I've kind of heard of it, yeah. And they've been drizzling out their new titles. So uh-huh. I've been, um, Noble was the first one. It's been I like three, yeah. inch, three okay. issues out. Um, there's a new title, I think, Excel or Accelerate, that I haven't read yet. But, mm-hmm. but so far I've been enjoying the line. Okay. And it's been good fun, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And then, um, now, before you started Space Monkeys, like, did you kind of, like, sell comics on the side? Like, you know, um, you know, like... Uh, like maybe just sell it to some close friends or did you kind of do your own swap meet thing? Not at all, actually. Not at all. Um, several years ago, me and two friends had talked about opening a comic book store, a brick-and-mortar store. I mean, this was well over a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And long story short, it never happened. Yeah. Um, and that was just kind of that. But prior to Space Monkey or even in the year or two leading Space Monkey, um, yeah, I never really sold my comics. Mm-hmm. I, it was pretty much a comics quarter. You know, mm-hmm. I just had boxes and boxes. Oh, yeah. And what changed was um, I moved. Um, <laughs> I actually had um, two apartments at once. It was up, I got a new place and mm-hmm. it overlapped with my old place for about a month. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do a lot of moving on my own. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had a little compact car. Mm-hmm. And I figured, okay, after work, let me move some boxes. I'll move some stuff mm-hmm. when I can. And then yeah. at the end of the month, I'll get a friend to help me with the big furniture. Mm-hmm. And I realized... That month, when I was shuttling back and forth in my little combat car, 90% of that was comic books. Or books. Wow. You know, okay, okay. You know, I mean, comic <laughs> books and books, but I mean, it was just... And I, I told myself, you know, I never read it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> so Space Monkey actually started with the need for me to unload my comics. <laughs> but by the nature of it, it's, you know, buy-sell trade, so mm-hmm. I, I accumulate as many as I sell. So oh, okay. It didn't quite work out as planned, but mm-hmm. it's, it's more fun this way instead of supporting it, you know, <laughs> at least it's rotating. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say that's a great segue. So can you describe for, you know, um, to the listeners, what is Space Monkey Comics? We are a comic book pop-up comic book purveyor. Mm-hmm. Um, so a comic book dealer, buy-sell trade, and we have this pop-up model where we'll show up. Currently, we're showing up at events, so a lot of the local conventions, mm-hmm. um, Kawaii-Con, um, the Toy Expo, mm-hmm. the Toy and Comic Expo, um, you know, Comic-Con Honolulu mm-hmm. sometimes, and so just the local models. And we also did, there's a local event that takes place monthly called RT Fleet, 
I, I, what is that? Um, it takes place in the Kaka'ako area, if I'm a little bit by word. Um, and it's a monthly, uh, and I don't mean this in a bad derogatory oh, way, oh. but it's, it's a hipster flea market, pretty okay, much. No, no, but it's no. a lot of fun, it's a lot of artisans, people oh. who make their own clothing, uh-huh. make their own jewelry, oh, yeah. people reselling stuff. Uh-huh. Um, there's these guys, Secret Record Store, who, who sell vinyl, um, why they DJ the event. Yeah. Um, and that's how actually we started, was there. Um, okay. Very small, just started with like a box or two, uh-huh. and then realizing there might be something there, mm-hmm. kind of grew from there, and that's how Space Monkey Okay. Um, how, so, how long have some Space Monkey, you know, been operating? As a brand, well, we've been incorporated since June of 2016. Um, as a brand, since December of 2015. Okay. And then unofficially unbranded for about a year or two before that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, it's like you know, I figure 2013, 2014 to okay. now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so at least about maybe about. Four years? About four years, right? I figure, yeah, three to four years. Yeah. Yeah, but officially a space monkey, about mm-hmm. a year to year and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, let's see, you know, was this like a dream job that you always wanted to do, like sell your comics? Not necessarily. Like I mentioned, you know, well over a decade ago, we talked about opening a comic shop. Yeah. At, but I don't know if that was necessarily a dream so much, it was just, I really enjoyed comics and, yeah. you know, Work in something you love doing. Yeah. So I love comics, and you know, so I figured, okay, well, I can do this, and yeah. mm-hmm. that didn't happen. But the opportunity came, arose again. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I could do this. This is fun. So, so far, so good. So I wouldn't say it's a dream, but it's I'm enjoying it. But yeah, that yeah, and I think yeah, it's more I love. Yeah, I should have rephrased the words like this is something that you'd love to do. You know, and just and and this is a side job, correct? Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the side hustle among many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna. Get off a little track here, but um, Rich, um, can you just explain to the listeners like what's your what's your real life full time job? <laughs> uh, by day, I'm a content manager and special projects manager for um, a local company. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of their marketing team in short, handling a lot of the writing, um, event coordination, and similar activities for mm-hmm. the company. Um, aside from that, I am a managing editor for a small local magazine called Abstract Magazine. Um, which comes out about once or twice a year, um, and that's a lot of fun. So I'm the managing editor of that, mm-hmm. and contribute stories now and then. And outside of that, um, Space Monkey, yeah. you know, which has been filling up the rest of my time, mm-hmm. what little time I have at this point. Yeah. Um, abstract Magazine, I'm just going to ask, you know, is that um, something that people can find online, or is it just, you know, like a... Is it um, like just a publication magazine? Good question. Um, we are primarily a print publication, mm-hmm. um, small local circulation, about 5,000 copies okay. um, per issue. Um, but we do have a website, abstracthawaii.com. Many, not all of our stories, but many of our stories are reprinted online. And we also do have an ordering page, or an online oh. store. So if people actually want to order a print copy, oh. they can go there and find past issues and order a copy that can mail to them. Okay. All right, so, you know, for listeners, so if you guys are interested in, you know, abstract magazines, you know, Rich just gave the um, website. So, you know, please, if you guys get a chance, you know, check them out. And I'm going to still continue on with our questions. Um, you know, um, you know, um, how did you guys come up with the company name? I wanted something that was fun um, and that seemed inviting. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to name names, but, you know, a lot of other comic shops locally and abroad, yeah. um, tend to have very serious names or something that evokes something very fantasy or very sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
and, and it paints a certain picture. It's not a negative picture, but I wanted something that had a different vibe to that. Mm -hmm. And Space Monkey, to me, seems... Just the way it rolls off the tongue, Space Monkey, just yeah. seems you know, sort of like a swish. Mm -hmm. uh, swashbuckling, adventurous, mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And then um, the mascot, which I, obviously everybody can't see, but it's, you know, it's this cute little monkey with this uh -huh. grin wearing an astronaut helmet. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed fun and inviting. And it, I found, too, when people are walking by us at cons, they'll just kind of initially look at us, they'll just see a comics, and they look up and they see the mascot, and you can see their face, they get a smile. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of nod, and then they come over. So there's something that's connecting with at least the look or the mm -hmm. name or the vibe of the, the Space Monkey brand, which, you know, so if it draws people in, you know, to our table or mm -hmm. booth, then all the better. Okay. And then um, I know you guys have... Um, Instagram, oh actually, no, I'm sorry, let me go back. So, who developed the mascot? Uh, the mascot, the concept was my idea. I mm -hmm. mean, I, it was a monkey in an astronaut suit. Uh -huh. um, and the actual design was done by Grace Chi. Uh -huh. um, she's, we're business partners, and um, we're, she did the design um, for, you know, for Space Monkey, uh -huh. just did it kind of based in my direction. And, and she's also done her website, and any graphic needs, any designing needs we've needed along the way, she, she's been the go-to person. Okay, that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, so I know you guys have followers on Instagram and Facebook, correct? Correct, okay. correct. So I'm going to ask, you know, like, um, so is, um, did you guys do the Space Monkey, like going to the expos and the cons first, or did you guys start to do the Instagram and Facebook to get, like, attract customers? Like, what came first, basically? Oh, good question. I I think it came around the same time. We had an event at the end of 2015, December 2015. And when that event was coming up, we kind of realized, you know, this is a good opportunity to kind of launch as Space Monkey. Mm -hmm. To say, you know, instead of just being the guy selling comics out of mm -hmm. boxes, yeah. I mean, to actually have the brand. Mm -hmm. So we had, like, two weeks of runway. And we said, okay, well... Let's make a banner. Okay, let's make some signs. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, here's the name, and you know, we mm -hmm. ripped, up, ripped out the mascot, and in, in that window of a week or two, I just threw up the Facebook page and the Instagram page mm -hmm. and started pushing the event. Hey, we're going to be here, you know, on such and such date in December. So it it all kind of came together at the same time. Okay, and then like when if you um, I, I I don't know uh, I'm going to ask the question like when you guys whip this all together. You know, um, did you guys get a lot of hits on your Facebook and Instagram? Like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll see you there, or hey, what table are you at, or anything? Did, did you guys get a lot of followers? Not initially. Okay. Not initially. I mean, the growth has been, the attention has been very slow. I mean, mm -hmm. this event was actually the first event of its type. It okay. wasn't um, It wasn't a traditional Comic-Con. It was called um, Paper and Plastic, and it was something that we actually <laughs> put in in conjunction with um, the local college radio station, KTUH. Oh, no. So it was an event that we did at Bar 35 in Chinatown. Okay. And we figured, okay, we're going to sell comics, the paper, mm -hmm. and they're going to sell the records, plastic. Yeah. And um, so it was, yeah. it was sort of a mini flea market. Uh -huh. It was just them selling records, me selling comics, yeah. and they had a DJ, uh -huh. and they had the bar going. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a last-minute event. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so that, that's how that came about. And then... You know, ever since then, have you been, like, getting... Has your followers, have they been increasing? I, yeah. uh, slowly but surely. Oh, okay. Slowly but surely. I mean, after an event, 
Um, there'll be a small spike. You know, mm -hmm. We hand out business cards and mm -hmm. people will yes. see our presence or banner. There'll be a small spike in mm -hmm. likes. Um, if I use an appropriate hashtag, <laughs> um, there was one, I forgot what it was, but I, it was a comic-related post. Um, it was a humorous post. Mm -hmm. And one of the hashtags was Parenting 101, uh -huh. just, you know, in an ironic way. Yeah. And I got all these hits from, like, parenting websites <laughs> and parenting magazines and, and, and you know, spike uh -huh. in likes. And it's like, well, it wasn't intentional, but I'll take it. You yeah. Know, to this, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Before we continue, I'm just going to ask, you know, um, can you just, like, name, like, your, your Instagram and your um, Facebook website? I'll name the... Yeah. Um, like, yeah where, can, where can people find you? Yeah. An Instagram, we're at Space Monkey Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Facebook Hawaii. Okay. Or the actual page name is Space Monkey Comics Hawaii. Okay. And if people want to email us, yes. mm -hmm. um, it's spacemonkeyhawaii mm -hmm. at gmail.com. And then, you know, for everyone, you, you know, I've checked out their Instagram, their Facebook. You know, it's really great. Um, you know, the, the little memorial tributes to the late Adam West. Um, and I'm going to ask, yeah. Let me ask this other question. It's not written on here, but, you know, um, uh, what do you post on your Facebook and the Instagram? Um, if, if we're nearing an event, I'll post, you know, promotionals to the events, just, you know, gearing iPads, one more day, two more days, we're going to be here, here's what we're going to be featuring at the event. Um, if it's those lulls between actual mm -hmm. events, um, it's a mix of, Maybe link sharing, like we aforementioned tributes, like Adam West. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned so. You know, we'll post things or links or stories that I think of might be interest to my followers, mm -hmm. comic related usually. Um, sometimes a shout out to a comic that I'm reading at a particular time. Um, more often than not, I, I'm taking out of context panels from comic books oh, okay. um, and just you know a screenshot of them or a scan of them and just something humorous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just kind of tag on just to keep the engagement up, keep. Keep us, you know, top of mind mm -hmm. and keep the presence there. And then the next event comes and then we'll shift the, the focus of our post to more event focused. But I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of those those screenshots and yeah, some more are pretty funny. <laughs> so, thanks. <laughs> I bet somebody thinks so. <laughs> now I'm gonna go a little bit I'm gonna jump around a little bit because like you mentioned, sometimes you give a shout out to a comic that you're reading. Since you're a writer and you're an editor. Do you read comics for fun, or do you kind of go, huh, <laughs> they should have done this, or I don't know if that worked? <laughs> uh, first and foremost, for fun always. Always, always for fun. I, and if I can forget I'm reading a comic, that's probably the best type of comic. Um, the exceptions to that would be like if it's a really bad comic, or something's not clicking with me. Then my analytical mind would go in and it's like, okay, why didn't it work? Mm -hmm. Maybe they should have done this with that scene, or that dialogue didn't work, or the character would never do that. The flip side is, if it's a really, really well-done comic, mm -hmm. and I'd be so wowed, I'm like, how did they do that? How did they move me? Or how did they do the transition? Or how did they keep the momentum? You know, if it's a really well-done comic, mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I'll try to pick it apart. But... I'd say a good 75% of the comics I read, mm -hmm. I, I can just totally lose myself and, and shut off the editor in me. Oh. Just enjoy it for, enjoy the ride as is. Okay. Is there any, do you have, um, well, I know you mentioned before we started that Brian Michael Bendis is one of your favorite writers. Do you have any other favorite writers? Oh, gosh. Um, my top five list of anything will change from month to month, week to week. But I mean, Brian Michael Bendis, I... I'm a big fan of Warren Ellis. 
who actually mentioned comics that I'm enjoying right now. I'm really digging his run on. It's called The Wild Storm. And it's his, his reimagining of the Wildstorm universe, you know, starting from scratch. And it's, it's so well done. So I really like Warren Ellis. Um, Tanishi Coates, uh-huh. who's doing Black Panther right uh-huh. now. Um, so many others. I mean, of course, you know, Grant Morrison. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so many greens. Neil Gaiman. Uh-huh. I can go on and on. But, uh-huh. I mean, I'd say right now, I think those are my top few. Uh-huh. You know, top three to four. Because, yeah, uh-huh. Bendis, Tanisha Coates, Warren Ellis. Uh-huh. Just knocking, knocking it out of the park right now. You're the third person that has told me about the Wildstorm that they're enjoying it. It is Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit and John Mayo. They, they reviewed, I think, a couple... I think they reviewed one issue of Wild... I think Wildstorm number one, they said they loved it. So I'm not going, okay, maybe I need to pick up this comic. <laughs> yeah. I recommend it. <laughs> All right. Um, before I continue, like I said, a little bit of sidetrack, but, you know, um, I know um, Brian Michael Bendis was here last year at Amazing Comic Con. Have you met him or any of the other writers that you met? You know, you mentioned. Um, I haven't met Brian Michael Bendis. Um, actually, there was a funny story, but I couldn't make that particular con because of a family emergency. But Grace, who I mentioned earlier, was going, and I, I think I may have jokingly asked her, you know, get me a picture or get me something, mm-hmm. and she actually turned around and she got a picture of her with Brian Michael mm-hmm. Bendis. And Bendis is holding up a sign that says, Rich, where are you, you loser? Um, so I actually got that picture of uh-huh. the two of them, and I actually got that sign that he was holding up. And That's nice. And he, um, he actually signed a comic, or she purchased a Daredevil comic that he mm-hmm. signed for me too, which I've gotten also. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, since I'm usually behind the table, mm-hmm. I don't get out too often to meet mm-hmm. um, yes. too many of the creators, but I did have the opportunity at, um, oh, I forget which con, if it was... Uh, um, James Robinson, the writer from Starman, yes. yeah. was he here was, recently. He was here last year. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I forget which con it was, but he was oh, here yeah, last yeah. year. And, and I was a huge fan of Starman when he came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying, um, actually he's doing a Nick Fury series right yes. now, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that's my list of comics okay. <laughs> I'm enjoying right now. But, um, so when he came here, I, I actually had a fanboy moment, and I, I told myself... Okay, it's cool, I'm going to play it cool, I'm going to get him to sign my books, I'm not going to fanboy out. And then when he opened his mouth, I just totally fanboyed out, and I just rambled on and on like I am now. And, and it, was, it was such a fanboy moment, it was, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, I'm like, okay, I've embarrassed myself enough. And I turn around, and I happen to bump into somebody, and uh-huh. make the moment all the more awkward. And, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so, middle-aged man being awkward, it was, it was funny. Now, now I think it's funny, at the time I was sweating bullets. <laughs> Rich, you're not the only one. Trust me, we we've all had our fanboy moments, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure, like Drew and John, probably have you know have had theirs too. Um, um, going back to Space Monkey, so um, uh, the Space Monkey comic inventory, like, what do you have most? Like, do you have like things from the modern, silver, golden age, any keys, autograph issues? Good question. Um, most of my stuff, since this started with my personal collection initially, most of the stuff is um, Bronze Age and Modern Age. So I'd say from like the mid '80s mm-hmm. through the '90s and mm-hmm. early 2000s, mm-hmm. the majority. Mm-hmm. I have come across very few Silver Age, mm-hmm. um, no Golden Age, okay. um, and probably nothing from within the last three years, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. 
And then, um, let's see, what about like, do you have like um, any autograph issues or variant cover issues? Do you sell those too? If I come across them, I sell them. I, as a reader, I don't chase them. Okay. As a reader, I've never really been into the variants mm -hmm. or the autographs. So as a vendor, I don't really sell them. Although, okay. when I make purchases, I usually purchase in lots. Mm -hmm. And as I go through and I'm pricing out the lots, mm -hmm. and I'll see like, oh, you know, this isn't the standard cover, I'll see it's a variant. No. And, you know, I'll price it accordingly as the variant. So I come across some, I do have some, mm -hmm. but I, it's not necessarily that I'm hunting them down or targeting them. No, because that kind of, that's a great segue. Um, like, so, yeah, like, so how do you go about re replenishing your stock? Oh, well, I'm, sorry, let me take a step back. So when you're at these um, small conventions or expos, this is from your personal, yeah, the comics are your pers from your personal collection that you're selling? It, the... The seeds of what Space Monkey does, it started off as my personal collection. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've sold off plenty of that and I've replenished plenty of that. So I do, um, you know, I do make purchases. I've had people approach me, do you buy comics? Um, okay. You know, so I do purchase, I prefer to purchase lots as opposed to onesies, okay. twosies. But I'll happily do the onesies, twosies. Yeah. Um, but I usually purchase lots, you know, mm -hmm. boxes at a time, mm -hmm. or at least a box at a time. Um, so I've had people approach me, sometimes I'll troll face, face um, not Facebook, Craigslist. Okay. And I'll see, um, Hawaii has a very transient population, so you have mm -hmm. a lot of military coming and going, oh, okay. a lot of people leaving for the mainland for one reason or another, mm -hmm. they're trying to get rid of their collections, mm -hmm. and just even a lot of locals too, but I, okay. so I'll see what's out there, and you know, if they have anything that looks interesting, mm -hmm. you know, I'll take a look and go from there. Oh, okay, because yeah, that basically answered my next question, like, you know, how do you, you know, go about, you know, replenishing your stocks? Um, let's see. The other thing I wanted to ask, you know, I know you sell um, single issues. Um, do you also sell like graphic novels, trades, and hardcovers? Yes, yes okay. I do. Yeah, so I come, you know, as I come across those, I'll happily sell them. Mm -hmm. A lot of those too initially came from my personal collection, mm -hmm. but um, like I said, as I purchase stock and rotate more mm -hmm. material in, you know, I've been making those acquisitions too. Um, the other question I'm going to ask, I know you said that, you know, when you first started, it was mostly your personal collection. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to ask, it's like, was it hard to sell some of, you know, some of your collection? Like, oh, okay, I'm letting this go, you know, I have to let this go, goodbye. Was it hard or anything? That's a good question. It was not as hard as I thought it would be. Okay. Um, and I think like the impetus for me selling this was... I had gone through a move. Mm -hmm. It was such a burden to have all these. It just felt like this huge albatross mm -hmm. to the back of my Mazda. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so it was actually sort of a relief to start selling them. Uh -huh. um, with that said, though, there's some that I'm not quite ready to part with. Yeah. Um, the aforementioned um, New Teen Titans X-Men crossover. Mm -hmm. That one I'm not going to sell. Or mm -hmm. you know, or if I do come across other copies, mm -hmm. I'm still going to maintain at least one copy for oh, myself. Yes. Yeah. Um, in general, there's been other ones that I haven't quite been ready to sell. I think, now that I think about it, I think a lot of DC Marvel crossovers, mm -hmm. just because they haven't been reprinted, yeah. or they're so seldom reprinted, mm -hmm. so, you know, I'll kind of keep those for myself, mm -hmm. um, like the All Access, and Marvel vs. DC, yeah. things like that. Um, and a few others that can't come to mind right now, but I know I have some that I'm not quite ready to oh, sell. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's understandable. There is some that's like, no, well, yeah. this is mine. Um, out of your little personal collection, I, I can't remember if, um, um, what is the uh, most what's the one issue you probably won't let go you know 
like for me, it, I won't sell my giant size X Men number one. I, I, not not until I'm close to dying. Like, is there one particular or a couple issues that you won't sell? You know, I, other than the ones I mentioned to you just now, you know, I I I, I can't say definitively no. There's nothing I wouldn't mm-hmm. sell eventually. Um, I because I, I mean, I'll be honest. I said maybe this is maybe makes me an unusual collector because no. I, I don't. I don't covet the, the item so much as yeah. I just enjoy reading them, enjoy mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. If I have a reprint of a classic, I'm happy with the reprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just enjoy the joy of reading and actually the joy of sharing. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I've got this great story, I've read it a million times. Uh-huh. Oh, you haven't read this yet? Oh my god, you got to read this, here you go. Mm-hmm. And I'll gladly sell it to somebody who, you know, will get, the, get a chance to enjoy it for the first time. Okay. Because, and you know, it's kind of like, um, yeah, because I think it's kind of like, I'm going to say it because, yeah, it's like we're jumping a little bit ahead. Like, yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you have certain satisfaction in selling the comics? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from what I mentioned before about this being a burden, I, how it started was because it was a burden or trying to give her comics. But I, now that it's evolved and I'm still acquiring as much as I sell, mm-hmm. um, I, when I go to these cons and I have the face-to-face experience, yeah. I mean, I love, yeah, I love the experience of, well, talking about comics like mm-hmm. we are now, but you know, geeking out with other collectors, mm-hmm. but even meeting other people who maybe are just getting into comics mm-hmm. and you don't know where to start. Yeah. Or, I mean, the oddest—not the oddest—I think one of the most heartwarming interactions was like, I mean, this girl had to be about ten, and she loved Aquaman, and she was looking for Aquaman. Oh. And I mean, you have diehard fans who are you know my age or you know, mm-hmm. younger and. They have no interest in Aquaman. And for whatever reason, yes. you know, this preteen girl was really into Aquaman. She's looking for Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was awesome. That, you know, I mean, there's still life and there's still, you know, this, this eagerness to just mm-hmm. track down a character that, by some measures, is, I won't say obscure, but not A-list, you know. But yeah. she loves it, you know. And it, it, it's always neat. So, I mean, I love turning people on to uh-huh. new things, helping them find mm-hmm. what maybe nobody else is into. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really neat experience. Um, let's see. The other thing I wanted to... Like I said, I'm sorry, guys. I'm kind of sort of jumping around. I'll get back on track. But, you know, uh, uh, you know, your customers, the ones that follow you on Instagram or Facebook and at the conventions, you know, do they... Do you uh, take requests on certain issues that not are not in your stock? But say, for example... Uh, Someone at a con goes, hey, Rich, you know, I'm looking for X-Men number 54. If you ever come across it, give me a call. Does that ever happen? And do you guys kind of, do you guys do that? Um, answer backwards. In theory, we'll do that. Okay. Now, um, and I have had people ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, my stock doesn't rotate all that fast now, okay. so I'm not, I'm not beating this, knocking on doors and beating the streets okay. day in, day out, yeah. so... If I don't have 54 today, extra mm-hmm. 54 today, yeah. I probably won't have it for several months. Okay, you no, know? no, no, no. You know, yeah. With that said, but um, usually at a con environment, mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, I don't have it, but the guys in that booth over there, I know they got a lot of Silver Age X-Men, mm-hmm. you know, maybe check with them, and things like that. So, I mean, I'll turn on to other booths yeah. at the event immediately. With that said, though, I'll still take the name and number. Yeah. And I said, if I did come across it, yeah. I'll check. But, I, you know, with the caveat, like I told you, that my, I'm not actively hunting stock right yeah. now, so mm-hmm. maybe a while. Yeah. Um, I do have a lot of people to ask because you know you can only bring anywhere from like fifteen to twenty boxes yeah. to an event. Yeah. So I'll have people say, "Oh, do you have such and such?" Mm-hmm. And 
I may not have it there, mm -hmm. but I know I have it at home. Okay. I just I can only bring so much stock to it, you know. Yeah. So I'll take their name and number, mm -hmm. or I'll give them my name and number, and mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, or I'll even ask, are you going to be here tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So check in the booth first thing in the morning. Yeah. And then I'll go home that night, and mm -hmm. I'll dig, 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 and oh. see if I have it. <laughs> you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, like your, your, you know, your short boxes. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of like going a little off track, but, you know, do you have them like alphabetized or do you like, okay, this box is all my X-Men run, this is, you know, all my action comics, my Superman comics, you know? That's a great question. No. Because oh. um, <laughs> well, as I accumulated these through the years, they were just sort of chronological. Okay. So I guess each box was sort of like a, a geological era. You know, you can dig yeah. like, okay, this era was the early 90s. Oh, this mm -hmm. box yeah. was the late 90s. Um, as I started selling them, mm -hmm. I, you know, there's the need to organize them. So mm -hmm. I've been fishing out, and I've been organizing. So I do have, you know, my X-Men section, mm -hmm. my, you know, Batman section, mm -hmm. my, you know. So I do have them broken. The ones that I'm actively selling, I do have broken down. Yeah. But that said, there's still a lot of inventory that I haven't separated <laughs> and poured through yet. Mm -hmm. As they come out, they will be mm -hmm. separated and organized. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Um, let's see. Um, now, this question is from Drew. Um, you know, like, um, when you're at conventions, you know, do you have, like, what, do you have, like, an estimate of what kind of volumes are you selling, you know, at a convention, like, sorry, Drew, I'm kind of adjusting your question, but, like, do you have, a, like, a, you know, volume, you know, that you're selling at conventions, like, units, like, you know, a lot or run, is it one unit, and do you have, like, you know, like, how much money... Just an estimate. And if you don't want to talk about the money part, that's fine. But do you like how much money do you like make at each con or something? Um, I, have, I have no qualms talking about the money. Um, I, you know, and it varies from con to con. Mm -hmm. um, I initially, well, I used to do a lot of um, just two dollar comics. Just everything oh, okay. you had was two dollars, mm -hmm. and you know, I would do fairly well with that. You know? oh, okay. Um, then I, later on, I started, you know coming across and actually pricing some of the more valuable comics mm -hmm. accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, not that I didn't price them before, I just wasn't selling the more valuable comics right. before. But then I would fish them out and I was like, you know, I can get $50 for this okay. one. I can get $20 for mm -hmm. that one, $100. So I would, you know, fish those out and sell them. And with mixed success, sometimes they would sell or not sell. Mm -hmm. um, I guess to get back to your initial question, as far as actual units, yeah. it varies. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, actual dollars, um, I... Again, that varies, mm -hmm. but more yeah. or less I break even on the tables. Let's oh. put it that way. I'll break even whatever the table cost is for the convention. Uh -huh. To date, I've more or less broken even. Okay. Maybe a little bit profit, yeah. maybe a little bit under. But, yeah, that's where you start. And then, um, you know, Drew, again, I'm just adjusting your uh, questions to our interview. Um, you mentioned about pricing. I'm also going to talk about, a little bit about grading. Like, how subjective is customer grading versus your grading? Such as... Uh, I'm just throwing an example, like, let's say X-Men 141, you're looking at it, and you kind of go, you know, it kind of looks like a fine condition, but someone, and you price it accordingly, and, well, yeah, and your pricing, do you go through the, uh, the um, buyer's guide, or how, how do you go about pricing the comics? That's a good question. I, as I, as I price comics, I... I reference about three or four different sources. Um, I do reference the, the buyer's guide. Mm -hmm. um, I reference, um, I won't name names, but there's oh. a major online vendor of comic okay. books. I'll see what they're selling it for. Okay. 
Um, and they also happen to list the different grades, what they're selling the different grades mm-hmm. for. Um, I check eBay okay. to see what it's sold for recently, yeah. what people are asking for now. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like I'll check three of different sources. Uh-huh. I, I kind of find a mean medium between yeah. those numbers that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And I'll say, okay, that's what they're selling for. I'm looking at those. Yeah, I think I can get this much for it. Yeah. You know, I'll kind of price it that way. Oh. But that's pretty good. That, like you said, you're not just only relying on one source. You're doing like different. You're looking at different areas, and then just trying to find them. that's that's really good. Yeah. And then going back to the grading, like you know, subjective wise, like you know, if you think a comic book is in fine condition, but then someone comes up to you, go, I think this is a good or very good. You know, have you come across some of those customers? I haven't come across that. Um, I mean, my prices are negotiable okay. in general anyway. I mean, I may think I'm going to get this for $50. You know, if a guy says, no, nah, it's only $10, you know, maybe I'll walk. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I haven't had that happen. Okay. But, um, you know, but I mean, if they say, oh, 50 oh, it looks like it's worth 40 mm-hmm. I might listen to them. Or if they want to talk me down, if they want to negotiate, mm-hmm. I'm willing to, you know, to budge. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your specific example, I haven't had people question... Okay. My prices or my grading as being inappropriate or off. Um, let's see. Um, I'm just going to ask you, like, um, decide. I'm going to try to ask as best I can. Like, did you, you like some of your customers? Yeah. You know, did you ever feel like you got kind of cheated at some times? Like, and if you don't want to answer that question, that's fine. Um, I mean, by making a purchase? Yeah. Or, um, no, well, either purchasing or someone buying something from you. They're like, no, I think this is lower than that. <laughs> no, no, okay. I, haven't, I haven't come across that. Nothing okay. that I, no transaction that I felt I got the wrong end of the okay. deal on. Okay. What about purchasing stuff? Because you brought up a very good point, yeah. Um, not on individual items. Okay. Um, I, I purchased a lot from somebody that I found on Craigslist. Oh, mm-hmm. And... He described the lot way, and the photos of the lot were a certain way. Um, when I actually got to see, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot more um, you know, fluff oh, <laughs> for that collection. Um, so lot, not, not as much good stuff, or the yeah. stuff that I thought was good was not in his great condition. Mm-hmm. So I was able to talk him down a bit. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I necessarily got ripped off, but I, I, I thought there was a misrepresentation going okay. on. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, I'm going to keep moving on and then like, you know, I'm going to get back to um, come back to um, in a couple weeks we talked about earlier that you're in a couple weeks Space Monkey Comics is going to start selling comics on eBay, correct? That's my hope. Um, oh. eBay and then I think in talking with you, mm-hmm. I, you know, I realize you know, Facebook Marketplace or mm-hmm. even Instagram Marketplace might be possibilities mm-hmm. too but I, I, that's my hope. I found that this pop-up model solely by itself is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where you have, if you have a brick-and-mortar comic shop and they're selling comics day in, day out, and then, you know, in a given month or they decide to do a convention, mm-hmm. they can easily afford the table costs. Yeah. And if they take a loss, it may not it's, be that big a deal because mm-hmm. they've got this brick-and-mortar operation mm-hmm. going day in, day out. Yeah. In space a situation, this is the only game we've got going. Mm-hmm. So if we go to an event... And we take a loss of that event. We've taken a loss. You know, there's no recovery order to make it. You know, yeah. so that, that's why I wanted to expand into online sales. Oh. You know, eBay and possibly mm-hmm. other channels. 
So, and it's something I thought about for a while mm-hmm. because here in Hawaii, we have you know anywhere from like four to six cons a year. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, with several months where there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. So I figured it'd be nice to maybe find a way to fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you only have one con a month or every other month, mm-hmm. what am I going to do the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, and then realizing as I got further along that, yeah, just the pop-up only mm-hmm. isn't really working out, the need and the desire to explore online sales mm-hmm. became more powerful. So, yeah. so I figured that could maybe be my equivalent of the brick and mortar. Uh-huh. And if that goes well, yes. then yeah. I can afford these cons yeah. and I can do the pop-ups more, mm-hmm. you know, without worrying about, like, uh, you know, if I take a loss, it's a small loss yeah. versus... You know, it's going to bankrupt me for the next few months or whatever. Yeah. Uh, hyperbole, not bankrupt. Oh, no, no, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, um, what was the process for you to, you know, for our listeners who are interested in maybe to set up something on eBay? You know, do you mind talking about, like, the process of, like, how did you start up, you know, going through the eBay steps and so forth? I mean, it's been very... I mean, I'm in the very baby steps um, mm-hmm. right now. I mean, it started just looking to see what other guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the next always is to set up your own eBay account. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can set one up as a vendor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pardon me on the terminology, but I mean, individuals can sell on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to actually set yourself up, position yourself as a business on eBay, mm-hmm. um, it's some slightly different steps. Okay. So what I found is... When I actually tried to set up a business presence, they said, oh, you can't do that until you actually make a sale first. So I have to make a sale, I presume, as an individual. Uh-huh. And then after that, mm-hmm. then I can make a, a business presence mm-hmm. you know, on, on, on eBay. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they also ask for banking information, mm-hmm. which you know, gather up. And I know when I was initially registering, I didn't have that information no, in front of me. So now you go back and enter that in. But Yes, but like I said, I'm in the very baby steps right mm-hmm. now. So I mean, I I'm sure if somebody went to eBay now and searched Space Monkey, I'm not even going to show up yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like I said, hopefully, in the next few weeks, and we will definitely keep people posted on our yes. social media accounts if people do follow us. Yeah. As okay. it happens. Okay. And then, um, let's see. Um, when when you do start selling up on selling on eBay, I'm just trying to clarify. So is it just going to be for Hawaii residents? Or are you looking like mainland and beyond type? I, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I, my instinct is to say whoever wants to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they happen to be in Texas or mm-hmm. Florida or China or mm-hmm. Seattle, you know, I'll happily sell to them. Okay. You know, if they find that it's worth it and mm-hmm. they can't find it in their area and yeah. the shipping yes, yeah. out, power to them. Yeah, okay. I'll sell to anybody. Okay. And then, and, you know, and you don't have to ask, answer this question, but, um, would the postage be included, or is that going to be tacked on? I, I don't know yet. Okay, no, I don't that, know yet. yeah, I yeah. don't know yet. I, I cautiously, tentatively, I'd say I'd probably tack on an additional postage fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what that would look like, I have no idea at this yeah. point. Okay, yeah. Oh, but yeah, no, Rich, thanks for answering that. I, yeah. yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, um, let's see. Um, and then um, for eBay, um, let's see. Let's. I think um, what is the future looking for Space Monkey Comics right now? I know you're going to start the eBay thing up in a few weeks. Um, I mean, I hope to have a robust, active, mixed presence. There are um, 
things are active are active online. I'm getting mm -hmm. a nice amount of online sales, mm -hmm. and then you know through that I will be able to resume going to these cons, um, you know, with regularity mm -hmm. instead of picking and choosing. Yes, you know, just being able to go pretty much any of them, um, and hopefully that one will sustain the other. Uh huh. And then down the line, way down the line, you know, there's been talk of some sort of brick and mortar store, um, not. A traditional comic shop. Oh, yeah. Not where we'd be doing new comics mm -hmm. and you know diamond distributors mm -hmm. waiting for the Wednesday Hall, nothing yeah. like that. But more of a, you know, maybe more of like an antique shop type vibe, mm -hmm. just with focusing on comics, maybe other items. Mm -hmm. but, but you know, basically it would just be a primarily a comic shop, mm -hmm. you know, with a vintage comic mm -hmm. shop, I should say. Yeah. And then I'm sorry, um, I'm going to clarify. Um, were you thinking of also starting up a website too? I do currently have a website. Okay. Um, very basic right now. Uh -huh. where we just describe what we are, and we have um, we'll post what events we're coming up next. Uh -huh. um, and there is space for an online store. So depending how things look with the eBay and uh -huh. or the Facebook Marketplace or Instagram, um, I don't know if I'd actually have a separate store, uh -huh. a store that links to my eBay page, uh -huh. or that's just saying what's going on on eBay. I'm uh -huh. not sure what it would look like, but. There, there is an intent to somehow integrate the website with whatever online sales we do, however that looks, I'm not sure. No, but that's pretty good. That's pretty good that you're going to try to link them two together. That's pretty good. Um, let's see. Um, you know, um, before we wrap up, I'm going to go back to, um, to your writer and editor background. Um, you know, on your Instagram or Facebook, you know, have you done any comic reviews on your, you know, your Facebook or Instagram? I haven't done, um, on those particular channels, I haven't done a full on review, critical analysis or anything like that. I've done maybe a quick shout out mm -hmm. saying, I'm really liking Tom King's Ron Batman. Mm -hmm. Or if you haven't picked up America, mm -hmm. you know, check it out. It's a lot of fun. You know, yeah. I've done like a few line type of reviews like that, uh -huh. shout outs. Um, Oh gosh! More than a decade ago, I don't remember the website. I did some online reviews, maybe oh. a handful. I can count on one hand that I've written for them. Uh huh. Um, more recently, I here in Hawaii, there's a, a web channel called um, Think Tech Hawaii. Okay. And um, I had the opportunity um, through a friend of a friend who got me involved with them to do. I wouldn't call it the video blog so yeah. much, but it was like a weekly episode that I do. It was like a five-minute, ten-minute segment where I could do a comic review or talk about comics culture mm -hmm. or something along those lines. So uh -huh. I did about a dozen or two episodes of that type. Um, I know I did one talking about San um, Starman uh -huh. in general. Yeah. I did one talking about geek culture and mm -hmm. San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've done some reviews mm -hmm. of some sort. Now, those started off as actual written scripts yeah. that I would mm -hmm. read online mm -hmm. and modify. So I've thought about modifying those yet again to make them more compact and uh -huh. possibly posting them on my on my website oh, okay. or on Facebook or somehow. Yeah. But I guess to run out to the original question, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's the short answer. No, 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 but that's great. Just great. That's great. Thank you. Um, like I said, I'm going to be start wrapping this up. Any last words? Anything else you want to talk about Space Monkey Comics or anything? Um, not really. I mean, the only thing I can say is I just 
just have fun with comics. Um, mm -hmm. And this is not to naysay anybody else's collecting habits, but I think what I enjoy about Space Monkey, what I enjoy with interacting with other people, is I don't get hung up so much on the, the grades, I don't get hung up on the autographs okay. and the variants. I, I enjoy reading comics, mm -hmm. and I think before I'm a comic collector, I'm a comic reader. Mm -hmm. And those are the people I connect with most when I sell, and yes. I, I want to instill that joy of reading. Mm -hmm. um, more than anything else. I mean, if you've got 10 copies of, you know, Avengers Annual Number 5, awesome. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I want to reach out to that person who hasn't even read, you know, an Avengers comic mm -hmm. and wants to know what a comic is or, mm -hmm. you know, or just, just embrace the joy of reading yeah. and just, you know, the, the joy of adventure and the fun of it. Okay. Yeah, that's great, Rich. Thank you very much. Again, you know, uh, where can people find you? So once again, on Instagram, we're at Space Monkey Hawaii. Um, on Facebook, um, you can look, you can search for Space Monkey Comics Hawaii, or the actual URL will be facebook.com slash spacemonkeyhawaii. And then of course our email is going to be spacemonkeyhawaii at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Rich, before I wrap this up, again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And then before you go, I just want to say, you know, um, when I saw you guys, you and Grace at the Toy Expo a couple months ago, what really stood out for me was, you know, you guys were well-dressed. You guys had collar shirts on. Um, your, your table was set up really nice. You guys had your products out in front where people can see it. That's the thing that stood out for me. And I'm not, and we talked about this. I'm not trying to put down the regular guys who come to the conventions, T-shirt, jeans, and they're just, there's nothing wrong with that. But like I said, you guys were well-dressed. Like, you guys are, you guys meant business. That's what stood out to me, you know. So, you know, just, you know, again, like I said, that's why I wanted to do this interview with you. Again, Rich, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. I love talking with you, Jason. I love the opportunity to talk about Space Monkey Comics. So, thank you very much. And thanks for the kind words about our table and our dress. And happy accidents, but it's, it's brilliant. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, guys. You know, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, aloha. That was my interview with Rich Melendez of Space Monkey Comics. Again, you can find Space Monkey Comics on the following platforms. On Facebook, it's Space Monkey Hawaii. On Instagram, at Space Monkey Hawaii. And on Twitter, at Space Monkey High, H-I. Now, I want to thank a couple people who helped me put this episode together. First off, I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit. Drew, thank you very much for letting me do this interview and again, thank you very much for your questions. The second person I'd like to thank is Julie from Villains in Pants Comics. Julie, thank you very much for your questions. And, you know, I want to thank Rich. You know, Rich, thank you very much for doing the interview. You know, it was, it was great. It was great talking to you about comics. And if you're a new listener to the show, you know, please subscribe to Comics for Fun and Profit. Kyle and Drew are brothers that does comic book speculations on new comics that come out every week. And you can also catch Drew co-hosting the Weekly Comic Spotlight with John Mayo. You know, they do a spoiler-free reviews on three comics. One from DC, one from Marvel, and at least one other. They do this um, every week. And lastly, I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to my interview with Rich Melendez of Space Monkey Comics. Until next time, aloha.